0: As we like to say in this church, participation is better than So what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to stand to your feet and let's read the scripture together. Today, we will be in Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20. And I'll start us off reading and you hop in when the water feels good to you. Word of God says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. amen amen where two or three are gathered as my followers i am there among them family let's pray father god we thank you for today we thank you for this time and this opportunity that we have god we pray lord god that your name would be glorified in this place god help us on today to see you better Help us on today to love you better. Help us on today to follow you better, to walk, to keep in step with the Spirit. It's in your son's name we pray. The people of God said amen, amen, and amen. Family, you may take your seats. You may take your seats. Um, my title, topic, subject, or focus for this time that we have together is when we pray. When we pray. Um, My bottom line, I didn't give it to the team, so I just thought of it on the spot, but uh, my bottom line is something very simple. Something happens when we pray. Something happens when we pray. A family, the text that we are in, um, let's dive, we're going to dive right into the text. Um, the text that we are in is uh, is, in G- is in Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel was written to the Jews or, or, or Jewish Christians um, to be able to talk about who Jesus was. And, and, and the text that we are in, can we t- Can you just take me all the way out the monitors? I don't know if that's my mic or whatever, but um, take me all the way out the monitors. The text that we are in is actually Jesus' words, and Jesus is talking to his disciples in his newly formed Jesus follower church that he was developing. Uh, Jesus followers, and later they would become known as Christians. And after Christians, Christians made things called church, right? And so um, that is where we are. And this specific text um, that we're reading is actually about church discipline. Mm, that doesn't sound too good when I say it, right? It talks about what do you do when someone has sinned against you? It's not, in some translations, it is not if someone sins against you. It is when they sin against you. As a believer, how do you, what do you do? How do you operate? How do you function? And the purpose of this text is to be able to tell the, this newly formed Jesus followers, how do you correct someone in righteousness? How do we correct and teach someone and help someone to live for Jesus, love Jesus, and love others like Jesus in righteousness? That is the focus of this text. But this text has also been grossly misinterpreted. A lot of people, when they see whatever I bind in heaven and whatever I loose in heaven, and I, and I pray and it, it shall be so, right? That is that is all good and fine but that's that's not quite what the text is talking about. The text is talking about church discipline, and it says and, and it's not extended to one person, but it is it is extended to a corporate body of believers. So the great way to read this text is when believers come together and they bind something in heaven, it shall be bound in heaven. And when believers, corporate body of believers, more than one, come together, whatever they loose in heaven, it shall be loose. And when believers come together and they pray, whatever they pray, it will happen. And when believers come together, God shall be in the midst, right? And so that is the focus of this. But remember, we're talking about church discipline, This text, couched underneath church discipline, talks about the beauty of unity in the body of Christ and what we can accomplish together. In the midst of discipline, we see the beauty of unity. Family, as we dive and look into this text, there are some underlining corporate principles about corporate prayer that will guide us through the rest of our night as we enter into this prayer moment. There are three things that I'll talk about I'll talk about there's power and privilege, there's permit to promises, and presence that we see in the text. Power and privilege, permit to promises, and presence in the text. So how I have this, because I don't want to spend too, too, y'all know me, I can go, I can dive in and we can like spend an hour in this, right? So I'm, so to, to, to help me help you, right? I'm going to just talk about two things on each scripture. I'll talk about what is the text actually saying? So we can get the idea that this is about church discipline, but then there are underlining principles and promises that we as a corporate body can hold on to. Does that make sense? Right, great, great. Okay, it's awesome. So, let's 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 talk about the text in context, verse 18. Can we put verse 18 up? This is power and privilege, verse 18. Verse 18 says, "I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid in heaven will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth shall be permitted in earth." So, what is the text is talking What is the text talking about? The text is talking about the power and privilege of believers. When believers gather together in corporate prayer, they have the power to pull down strongholds to destroy obstacles, to cast out generational curses, and to declare and to to bring in and release freedom, to release blessing, to release the good things of God in that corporate body when believers gather together. Notice this is not one believer. This is when believers gather together. Fun fact here, as I was doing research, Jesus and Matthew 16, 19, he says to Peter, who will later be known as Cephas, um, that, hey, whatever you bind in heaven and loose in heaven, and, 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 he, and he says that to him. But Jesus then here extends that privilege that Peter got to the church. So it's not just whatever Peter binds and looses, but whatever the church binds and looses. So there's power when believers pray together. Something happens when we pray. When believers pray, the gates of hell are shaken. When believers pray, the standard of the enemy has to be moved back. When believers pray, something happens. Not only is there power, but there's also privilege. Because God says, use your power wisely. So not only do believers have the power, but they also have privilege. So what does this mean? What is the underlining corporate principle? Um, let, 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 me, let me answer something here because you might be like, man, I get the power to bind and loosen. When we get all together and prayer, we get to bind and loosen. I'm, I'm excited. Student debt be pulled down in the name of Jesus. All right? That is a great prayer. That is a great <laughs> prayer. Praise God for that prayer. That is an amazing prayer. But let me give you a caveat. Matthew 8, 18 in the Amplified Version says it this way. Can we put that up, please? It says, put that up, right, great. It says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper or, or unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare, or, or see it as lawful on earth have, shall have already been loosed in heaven so believers we don't create the binding and loosing we agree with heaven on what should be bound and loose so that means that when believers corporately join in with heaven that's when things starts to move so it's not what you've been saying it's what God has been saying And when we pray corporately, there's something happens where we start to identify the heart of God and we join with God's heart. And now we become a heavenly echo. So it's not just I bind that spirit in my husband that he won't listen to me. I bind that in the name of Jesus. I bind that spirit in my kids that make them not pick up their socks. I bind that in the name of Jesus. I bind that spirit in my wife that she won't make my favorite meal on Mondays. I bind that and I cast that out. No, that's self-serving prayer. That's selfish prayer. Isn't that the world bigger than you? Isn't that the world bigger than your problems? No, I'm not saying your problems aren't real, But there's other things that we need to be praying about and praying for. Sometimes we get so consumed in ourselves that we forget that there's a world that exists outside of us that we should be praying for. See, when believers come into agreement with heaven, that's when the gates of hell starts to move. When believers come into agreement with heaven, that's when strongholds get cast down. When believers come into agreement with heaven, that's when things start to happen. So as you pray on tonight, pray God's heart, not your heart. And how can you know what God's heart says? Go to the scriptures, search the scripture, and see what God says about you. See what God says about himself and hold fast to that. The corporate promise and principle is when we come together in agreement with heaven, we gain the power and the privilege to bind strongholds and release blessing. When we pray... We have the power and privilege, privilege to bind and loose. The corporate principle that I want you to see is that when believers come together in prayer, something happens. When believers agree with heaven in their prayers, something happens. Second point, there's power and there's privilege. God moves But then there's privileges. That means we get the opportunity to do this. Next point, there's permit to promises in verse 19. Verse 19 says, also, I tell you this, if you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, you ask my father in heaven, he will do it for you. What is the text talking about in the context of church discipline? That essentially, they're saying, Jesus is saying here is that in the context of church discipline, prayer is essential. Your prayers should be Holy Spirit led and Holy Spirit filled. So that means that if you have an ought against somebody in the, in the faith, if you have an ought against somebody in the corporate body, that means that you just don't go tell them off in the name of Jesus. No, you take that thing to the, to the Holy Spirit first and say, God, lead me, guide me if I should say something to them. God, is there something inside my heart that needs to be fixed first? well before I tell them what they did wrong. Now, I'm not saying that you don't tell them what they did wrong. I'm all for that. But are you being led by the Spirit? Are you being filled by the Spirit as you move towards that decision? we got to be Holy Spirit filled and Holy Spirit led in correction. That's what the text is talking about. But what's the underlining principle? I'm glad you asked. The underlining principle is When we pray, Holy Spirit led and Holy Spirit filled prayers and enter into a corporate unity, we are permitted access to the promise of answered prayers. (laughs) Oh my God, y'all don't even catch it. That went over their heads, Pastor Gabe. So when believers pray and we're we're united in our prayer, something happens and that something is what we pray for, we will see happen. When believers pray according to Jesus and united in coming to agreement on that prayer, the miraculous starts to happen. Chains get loose. People get free. Bonds get set open. Depression moves back. Faith rushes in. Healing happens. Miracles happen when we pray. When we pray and we're united in prayer, answer prayer happens. You get your prayers answered. The promise of answered prayer. This is actually a sign of believers. That when believers pray, our prayers don't stop at the ceiling, but it goes to heaven. And Jesus hears our prayers and is like, bet, I got you. I got something for that. I don't know how things in my life happen the way they happen. They just happen like that. We were in Greenville struggling, and I needed $10,000, 10 10 racks, 10 bands. I need $10,000, 10K to make my budget, to literally to make my budget for FCA. I didn't know where the $10,000 was coming from, but I followed the scriptures. Me and my wife started praying. I called people up here, hey, man. I got ten to twelve thousand dollars I need to make budget. I don't know if it's going to happen. If that happens, we're going to go into deficit and they already talking something about da, 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 da. I need, I need, pray, saints, pray. The church we're, we're attending in Greenville, I met with the lead pastor. Hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray with me on this? This is what we're coming into agreement on faith on. Great. I agree with you. That is from the Lord. We'll pray with you. Tell me why a couple days later, that same pastor I met with calls me and says, hey, Marcus, come to my office. So I'm like, hey, man, we in the middle of football camp. I can't really like, you know, make it out. I, you know, I got to be there. He's like, just come out of office. So I come by the office. He's like, hey, here's a. Here, you said you need $10,000. Um, Yeah, I told somebody about that. They wrote you a check for $10,000. So here you go. When believers pray in unity, answer prayer happens. Believer, unity equals answer prayer. And I got stories upon stories that tell you of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. But there are also prayers that we're still praying that we have not seen. But I know what God has done. So that gives me hope and faith to trust in what God is doing and what I don't see now. And I'm looking for towards to what God will do. See, when believers pray, something happens. What are you in need of prayer for? What is the thing that has your heart captured and raptured and you can't find a way out? What's the thing you've been hitting the wall against? Maybe what you've been going through is not just for you. Maybe it's an opportunity to share with other believers about, hey, here's what's going on in my life. I need help. Can you pray with me? Can you believe with me? How does this happen? When believers pray in unity, what happens is, is that our blind spots get exposed. And when our blind spots get exposed, we now can pray accurately to the heart of God. So when we pray corporately, and I go to my wife, Rob, and Lira, and I'm like, hey, man, I believe in God for a million dollars. And I'm like, you know, I believe God for a million dollars. God is going to bless me with a million dollars. And then it's like, okay, great. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll Pastor Marcus, 'cause are going to stand in faith for that. My wife and Rob and Lira, well, what are you going to do with the million um, dollars? I think, you know, it's a Ferrari. Uh, I mean, it's a Lamborghini Urus that I really like. I think I'm going to buy that. You know, um, you know, student debt, you know what I'm saying, um, new house, new car. I'm going to give a 10th to the church, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to look out, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to give my 10th, you know what I'm saying, maybe a little bit more. Hey, hey, um, Marcus, I don't know if that reflects the heart of God. That seems like your heart, but that don't seem like God's heart. So I believe if God really told you a million dollars, yes and amen, but let's pray to see what God wants to do with that million dollars. Let's pray a prayer that accurately reflects God's heart for this, and then we'll come into agreement on that. See, the problem is we don't want to let people in to those type of prayers. Oh, okay, all right. I said it was going to be too long, so I'm going to keep going. But let me stop. Let me park right here. Um, um, sometimes we want to stay in our selfishness and not actually get to sanctification because it's safer to be selfish. It's safer to be hurt. It's safer to be bound than to actually seek freedom. Why? Because I know what hurt looks like and I'm comfortable with it. I know what pain looks like and I'm comfortable with it. I know what bondage looks like and I'm comfortable with it. I don't know what freedom looks like. So let me stay here than actually seeking what God wants to give me. Family, when we pray in unity and come into agreement, we experience answered prayer. Believers plus unity equals answered prayer. The question is, are you willing to let somebody in and y'all agree on the same thing together? We'll have some time for that tonight. Last thing is, and, 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 um, and you can start praying for me, um, uh, uh, worship team, is verse 20. Verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. The text in context, the explanation of the text is Christ is present in the process of church discipline. Christ is present in the process of church discipline. That he is not, you know, somewhere doing something else, but he's actually there when believers join together in prayer. What's the, corporate, what's the corporate promise or principle? When we pray, the presence of God is there. That's what I want you to hold on to. When we pray, the presence of God is there. Jesus is right there in the midst, working and doing something. So when believers join together in unity, Jesus is there. Family, I don't there have been moments where I've been praying by myself and I've been seeking God in my quiet place by myself. But then when I invited somebody else in, invited brothers in, invited sisters in on the thing that I've been seeking God for, something explosive happened. And then the presence of God invaded in my room. And I was like, I can hope again. I can believe again. I can have joy again. God is not done with me yet. Though Though I'm weeping right now with this night, joy is coming in the morning. And I can hold on to hope that I will see joy. God, you are doing something. Family, there have been moments when I've been doubting my faith. But I invited my brothers in. I invited my sisters in. I'm like, hey, I'm hurting. I need help. They're like, let's get together and let's do the one thing we know how to do is praying, and we started praying It's like God heal him, God help him God work with him, God move in his life and I'm like I don't know what's happening but I'm starting to feel better to have hope again there was a season in my life that we, were, we were in North Carolina and, and, and I was going to pick up my daughter after church and the pastor just preached on hope and faith And all these things in Hebrews that we were in now. And I was walking and picking up my daughter and I'm praying to God, like, God, like, I got faith. I believe you can do it. I just, I believe you can. I know you can. You've done it before, but what's going on? My faith, it feels like it's on the floor. In that moment, as I was rounding the corner to go to my daughter's classroom, Holy Spirit said, Marcus, your faith is high, but your hope is low. Your hope has been hurt. So get your hope healed and watch your faith fly. I was like, I don't know what that means, but let me do what I know how to do. We're going to read the Bible and see what the Bible says about hope. So for about six months, three to six months, right, babe, I started researching hope. Just like looking at all scriptures that got hope. Every time I saw hope, I underlined it in the Bible. And as I started to read, Commentaries and read scripture and read Greek and read all these other things. I'm like, oh, hope is the joyful expectation that God will move. And God was like, that's what you're missing. You stop being joyfully expecting that I will move. So then what I started doing is I started sharing that with, with the people around me. If you know anything about me, I'm going to share what's going on in my life. I this is just how I am. You know what I'm saying? Marcus, how you feeling today? You better be ready for an answer, right? <laughs> hey, man, yeah, I don't know, man. I woke up today. I was kind of, you know, on the rough side, you know, um, pray for me. like right. So I started sharing about hope. And as I'm sharing what I'm going through, other people are latching on like, Marcus, I believe that for myself. Marcus, I need hope. Marcus, what, you, what you're going through right now is where I'm at. And I didn't realize I was missing hope. Actually, can we pray together about hope? And as we started getting together and praying about hope, hope started to rise in my life. And I recognize that hope is also connected to trust, belief, and love. Hope is at the front, and hope and faith are cousins. But hope is built off of a belief in God. A belief is built off of a trust in God, and a trust is built off of God's love. And God was like, I need to convince you of my love. And once you're convinced of my love, then you'll trust me. And once you'll trust me, then you can believe. And once you believe, then you'll have hope. Family, I would have never known any of this if I had not invited the believers to come pray with me. Many a night spent crying to my wife. I don't have hope. I don't know I don't know if God will do what he said he would do, and I don't trust him. But I'm telling you, God don't waste no pain. God don't waste no pain. So I don't know what you're coming in here with. I don't know what has you bound I don't know what you've been hiding and pretending and acting like everything is all good with I don't know what it is but I'm telling you tonight we're gonna get together we're gonna pray my encouragement to you is whatever that you, that has been affecting you whatever that has been that has been holding you back when we join together in prayer offer that up to the group be courageous and say, this is what I need prayer for. This is what I need God to do. And then we're going to take time, and after we confess and after we talk, we're going to follow the scripture. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over that thing. We're going to pray over that situation. We're going to pray for that lost loved one. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe that God is faithful to his word, that when the believers join together and we agree on a thing, that answer prayer will happen. Amen? The instructions for this is simple. We want you to find three people. And we're going to do male, female, males with the males, females with the females. And um, women with the women, excuse me. Um, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take some time and we're going to talk with each other. We're going to confess. We're going to actually follow the scripture. It's going to be awkward, I know. But I'm telling you, something happens when believers pray. And I would be remiss to not give you the opportunity to seek your father as a corporate body on tonight. So, with that being said, after I pray, go find your people. Go, go to a spot in the corner if you need to. The altar is open. Don't leave the room though. Find a spot at a table, whatever's comfortable, right? And go talk with your people. With that, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time and this moment. God, I pray that you would help us. God, I pray that we would know that we serve a God who is there and who cares for us. That that you're not just a God who sits high and looks low, but you're a God who's intimately evolved and acquainted with every detail of our life. And you're waiting for us to invite you in. The scripture says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And whoever opens the door, I will come in and sup with them. God, I pray, Lord God, that we would open our door on today. That if we hear the knock of the Holy Spirit, that we would not harden our hearts, but that we would open the door wide unto you. God, the things that have been holding us back, may we be free of them on today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.